Cool. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Conjecture and Lecture. This is episode five. Uh, we just came off talking about politics last episode, so we're going to keep it a little bit light today. We're talking hobbies today, things that we're into, why you should be interested in different types of things, why hobbies are important, um, and just kind of talking back and forth about hobbies. It's going to be a lot of conjecture today, so we're glad to have you listening, and uh, we hope you're doing well. Brendan, how are you doing? Dude, I am I'm doing well. I'm uh, I'm kind of glad the election stuff is at least behind us. I yeah. know that there's still a lot of developments to come and uh, even, you know, relating to our politics episode, we didn't even talk about half of the things that we could have. Uh, we you know, that was a two and a half hour episode and it could have easily been four. Oh, um, easily. you know, there's whether that's uh, uh, you know, developments within the military or, you know, we didn't really get into economics too much. I know we wanted to uh, you know, save a whole episode for environmental issues. So uh, you know, as far as politics, I'm glad, like I said, that the, the voting is, is sort of done. We're going to wait for the rest of the dust to settle up here. Um, you know, this week we'll see what, how things turn out, but we thought we'd keep it light today, uh, which I'm really excited for. Uh, Riley mentioned it would be a lot of conjecture. And as I was thinking about it, it's pretty much all conjecture today. Yeah. I think there's only one real lecture point, and that is if you don't have a hobby, you need to get one. <laughs> uh, I think that's the only lecture that's really going to be happening. Uh, outside of that, it's going to be a little bit about us, what we're into, what we like to do with our free time. Um, you know, obviously, we'll have our regular segments of you know some music and humor and our word of the day. Uh, but we really just wanted to, like I said, have some fun and, and obviously keep you guys as listeners on your toes too. Like, ooh, what are they going to talk about next? Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, again, we had talked already about how this is something that like we're early on to this podcast. So we might as well throw a couple episodes out there and tell you all about us as much as we possibly can and then just build on that in the future. So. Yeah, exactly. It's one of those things where I know I like, uh, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, if I'm at a, a meeting for work or if I, uh, you know, I'm listening to a podcast myself or even watching the news or, or a TED Talk, I like to know a little bit about the people who are talking. Yeah, I agree. Um, it makes them just a little bit more three-dimensional and it, it helps, I guess, me sort of understand them in ways that maybe uh, otherwise are counterintuitive. You know, we, we judge a lot of people at face value, um, and I think one of the, the biggest flaws of humans is the amount of assumptions that we make about each other. Uh, absolutely. And I think that um, it also is just more engaging to the community. If you hear something on a podcast or you hear something from somebody and you're like, oh, that resonates with me or I can have a conversation about that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all about establishing community from here on out. So. Yeah, so as far as establishing a community goes, we figured if we told you guys a little bit about our hobbies, um, if you're interested in the same thing, you could maybe suggest some more topics for us to discuss. Uh, maybe you can get involved. Uh, like I said, if you guys didn't hear in our last episodes uh, through our social media, that is Conjecture and Lecture uh, on Instagram, and then also Conjecture and Lecture at gmail.com. Uh, we're working to get a Facebook page going. We don't have that quite yet, but uh, like Riley mentioned earlier, we'd really like to create a cool community of people that are just sort of uh, involved. Yeah. So a hundred percent. Um, so Riley, uh, I looked up the definition for a hobby and basically, uh, it, it's funny. It's almost as, as you might expect, but I liked how, uh, this is from dictionary.com. Uh, I like how specific it is in talking about how it is specifically what one does during leisure. And so the definition is as follows. A hobby is an activity done regularly during one's leisure for pleasure. So I was just thinking, damn, okay, so it really narrows it down for us. You know, yeah. It's got to be during your free time, so you don't have any chores, you don't have any sort of responsibilities, you know, for work or family or anything like that. So, you know, basically it's 100% dead time or time to be used, and you're using the time in a way that 
you yourself find interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it's enjoyable for you too. Exactly. I like that uh, idea of pleasure being involved with hobbies. I think that's the most rewarding uh, side of them is, is for me personally – how much I get out of them, how rewarding it is to, to have some hobbies. And I think hobbies are kind of the gifts that keep on giving. Yeah. Um, you know, we could say that about uh, uh, relationships and friendships and stuff like that, but there's just something about a hobby that maybe because it doesn't always have that um, other person element to it, uh, it's kind of like just time with yourself. Yeah. I you know, would, time with your own thoughts. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes if you were in a hobby where it would require another person, it almost feels like it's not necessarily always your own free time anymore, you know, because you have to manage somebody else's then too. Yep. You're kind of, you know, even if you're hanging out together, like we are now for the podcast, like we're still spending time together. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, a hobby is how you're going to personally spend your own allotment of time Yeah, you know, without any uh, interference from other people. Way that May that be a, a pleasurable interference, right? Like just hanging out, playing video games, doing dinner parties and stuff like that. But you mentioned you know, you're basically kind of, I think everybody has had this moment where they're hanging out with a friend and they feel like they have to entertain them. Like, yes. Uh, or, or maybe and entertain sometimes maybe the wrong word to use, but just like keep things going yeah especially if you're hosting people at your house oh yeah for sure but like that i think that's something that you could even say that your hobby is just spending time with your friends um because you don't necessarily have to have to have something rigid or something planned out like if you're just you know sitting around shooting the shit having a conversation here and there i feel like that's something that's perfectly fine as long as both people are like you know this is engaging this is entertaining to me Exactly. Yeah. That's something I think uh, I established really early on with uh, with my homies, and you know exactly who you are. Um, you know, just being able to sit on a driveway and shoot the breeze and enjoy each other's company. You know, yeah. like you said, a hobby could be hanging out with friends, and yeah. it, it totally is as long as, like you said, everybody is engaged in it, and that's how they want to spend their free time. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that's also one of the most rewarding things about having friends uh, that you're close enough with that you can also enjoy silence together. Yeah. Right? Like, you're just sort of maybe enjoying each other's presence, or maybe you, there's that lull between a conversation, and when you're close enough with certain individuals, that lull doesn't feel like it needs to be filled by some nonsense. Work, yeah, exactly. Know? I think that's exactly right. I mean, like, it, the thing that I always think of is, like, road trips, like, if I'm yes. willing to road trip with somebody, there is going to be dead time 100% of the time. And it's like, you know, if you're comfortable with that, that's totally fine. Like, it just, you still enjoy it nonetheless. Yeah, uh, you know, as far as conjecture goes, if I remember right, the the correct word for that is social ambience. Yes, I think that, I think you're right. Um, where basically, yeah, you're just, I mean, it'd be like if you and I just stopped talking. Yeah sharing the room with each other yeah um but there's not a, a communication uh, i should say a conversation right uh, happening but as far as conversations go i mean yeah we want to kind of dig into our own personal hobbies uh and then also like i said maybe if you guys don't have one make some suggestions or maybe talk about how you can get engaged and make your life more meaningful i guess or how you can maybe get more out of it um i personally think that people with hobbies are are happier I would agree for sure. Um, I think, you know, it eliminates that, uh, not to keep piggybacking off of this ideology, but it eliminates that uh, potentiality to be an NPC. It eliminates. I love that ideology. I do too. I do too. It eliminates the chance of you just being a quote unquote empty soul that just kind of coasts through life. Yes. And, you know, this is something that you and I have recently started talking about. For our listeners who don't know what we're talking about, and uh, I think this would be a good sort of setup uh, before we sort of segue into music here, um, 
But when we use the word NPC, it's a video game term for non-playable character, right? It's basically a background character. But in order to make this more clear for anybody who's never played a video game, um, it's basically like an extra in a movie. Um, You know, and so if you think about how you can live your life, right? Like you can live your life like an extra in your own movie, or you can be your own main character, right? And and you can basically, you know, you can actively make your life engaging, and interesting. Uh, and interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and fun. And you can have, uh, you know, really close friends that are kind of like your side characters. Or I uh, like how you mentioned quest givers. Yeah. That is a fantastic way to describe meaningful friendships. Yeah. I, I 100% agree. Absolutely. And I think that if you hang around boring people who don't have hobbies, those quest givers or those those secondary characters in your life, they become NPCs. Yeah. And it just kind of, they just fade into that. And I think a lot of people kind of get into this mindset where it's like, you know, oh, I work all day, I go home and then I just turn on the TV and it's like, well, you know, you can spice it up a little bit. You don't have to fall into that NPC mindset. You can keep it fresh. And that's why we want to talk about hobbies. Yeah. And I heard about this uh, mentality actually from a student because um, she had brought up, she goes, uh, Smith, are you a main character in your life? And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, are you like an extra or a main character? And at first, it didn't. I didn't quite, I don't want to say I didn't understand it. Yeah. But then when she explained it like that, she kind of explained it like in a book. Or uh, I kind of went one step further and I started applying it to people at work. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, who are the main characters in the building? Like, who are the secondary characters? And then, uh, you know, I love everybody that I work with, but, like, who are the extras? Yeah. Like, who are the extras in the film that nobody really thinks twice about? And for the main characters, like, why, what makes them interesting? Yeah, and I think hobbies plays a huge role on that because it shapes your personality, Yeah, what do you do outside of work? Everybody has a freaking job. Yeah. A lot of people have a family. Yeah. A lot of people have, you know, friends. So those are, like, the givens when you're talking with somebody. So what I ask is, okay, well, what do you do when you're not doing any of those things that generally other people do? What makes you as a, a person interesting? Yeah, yeah. And, like, if if you have an opportunity to get into the weeds on something, like in terms of conversation, it would require some sort of interesting quality about you to get past small talk. Because mm-hmm. I know, like, you and I have talked about this before. Neither one of us are big on small talk. No, we hate it. And yeah. I, I actually really appreciate people that want to get past the small talk right away. Yeah, if somebody wants to, like, jump into it right away, I, I'm excited for that. And, like, people are like, well, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. And it's like, no, I think I'm more uncomfortable with small talk. Um, it's so non-substantive. It is. I know. And it feels pointless. It feels inefficient. It feels, I don't know. It almost, well, the reason I don't like small talk is it feels like a formality. Yeah, it does. A hundred percent. It's like, let me jump through these hoops so that we can have a real conversation. Right. Yeah. And I would rather have silence and then somebody to bring up something out of left field Mm -hmm. than to just, you know, bullshit back and forth in small talk. And then it just doesn't end. Dude. Amen. Speaking of left field. Let's go to our music. Fantastic. Jump right in here. Um, So today, you guys, uh, we just got a couple of our favorite songs for you. I know it seemed like maybe the last time, maybe it seemed like we had like a theme with punk music for our, you know, political podcast, or maybe um, we had some screamo music or heavy music for uh, our horror podcast. But today, we're just going to kind of do whatever we're feeling. And so um, the song I have for you guys today, and uh, it's, it's a really fairly modern I think I can't find much about this artist the artist is Oliver Chang and the song is called Hours and uh, 
it's an electronic jam. It's uh, got a lot of huge synths in it. Um, but I think my favorite part of the song is the vocal loop. Um, however it's sampled and affected and sort of chopped, it stays, even though it's repeated throughout the song, it stays interesting to me. And the way that it's uh, uh, juxtaposed with the space, sometimes the synths feel uh, like there's not a lot of room. And other times it feels like they're being played in a huge room, almost a cave. Yeah. Um, so keep yours pricked up. You know, if, if uh, you know, as always, if you guys don't typically listen to this genre of music, just uh, try to keep an open mind. Um, and I know Riley's got a curveball for me. So absolutely. Here is Hours by Oliver Chang.
Like I said, that song was called Hours by Oliver Chang featuring Evan James. Riley, what'd you think about it? I really like that. That's that's awesome. I mean, especially because like I've told you that I've been trying to get into electronic music lately. That like that's like a perfect song that would get me hooked on electronic music. I like that there's no lyrics. I like that you're just hearing this like collection of instruments and not even just instruments. You you get like sounds. Mm-hmm. Um there's just like things that they seem like they wouldn't like if they were to stand alone, it wouldn't sound like an instrument. It wouldn't sound like something that would be musical, but like put all together, it makes this perfect blend of like it's like this um there's almost like a warm fuzz behind it and then like they just kind of throw in these nice little details. It's I love Um it. yeah, so those little sounds that you're talking about, you know, it sounds weird maybe for you guys to to hear us get so specific and be like, "Okay, well, you, know, you talk about instruments and, and sounds as separate. Well, uh, in in the electronic music realm, especially in the sampling realm, it'd be called like a one shot. Okay. So um, one of the things that we were definitely hearing in there, and I know that you mentioned it, that you even had a note about it, was that little bell slash, it almost sounds like a, a one jingle on a tambourine yeah. in between the snare hit yes. and the kick drum. It's yes. like boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, pat. Yep, it's, it's that chick, chick. Yeah, whatever that is it's basic it reminds me of just as if somebody shook a tambourine and then took a snippet yeah of that sound you didn't hear the beginning of the shake or the end of the shake but it's like where it starts to where it starts to move from one side to the other it's almost like you're getting like the inertia of it it's really cool. yeah and that's what i love about sampling especially other instruments and in electronic music you already said it, but it just all comes together so well. And I'm glad that you said it maybe is a good, you know, jump off point because that song is pure electronic. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's hard to, it doesn't fit in any other genre. And I, we've already talked about how I basically am a lumper. So I just call what you guys just heard electronic music. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's got really big sub bass with, uh, there's definitely some Moogs or some Moog clones in there. Like yeah. the lead line and then the bass are just very, very fuzzy. Yeah. And lush. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the bass too, because I did write down a quick note about the bass line. I'm talking bass line, not bass drum, but um, I just wanted to clarify that yeah. for, for good reasons. Because there's a bass synth, um, and it sounds like it's like pixelated. Mm-hmm. It sounds like very like crunchy is the way that I would describe it. Well, yeah, there's, there's definitely two layers. There's the 808 layer, which if it was playing on a sound system, that's what you would feel. Or if you have subs in your car, so yeah, it yeah. just sounds big. But then what you're talking about is layered on top. It's playing the same exact pitch of a note, but right. it's like, uh, it almost sounds like a synth going through an overdrive pedal. Yeah, it's like kicked up a couple octaves mm-hmm. too. Yeah, But it's when fantastic. it's against that sub, they, are, they just gel so well together. Yeah, I really like that. Um, the other thing, just, I mean, I don't want to have to reverse here, but going back to the, the tambourine type sound, the thing that it reminds me of, have you ever seen Tarzan? Um, yes. Okay, you know when the gorillas invade the camp and they, like, play a bunch of music? Is this the cartoon one? Yeah, the cartoon one from Disney? whatever you uh, it's been. Yeah, yeah, it's been... <sighs> decades yeah. since I've seen it, yeah. but uh, yeah, it does seem familiar to me. Well, it was always my favorite scene when I was a kid. Yeah. And like one of the things that I just, it just popped into my head just now. There's a sound that the gorillas make in that movie where they put all of the silverware in a drawer mm. and then they shake it and they slam it on the table and it makes like this. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's exactly what that sounds like. Like literally if I were to, when I'm putting dishes away, like at home, 
taking them out of the dishwasher, I drop it into the drawer. It makes that mm-hmm. that sound, and I was like, "Holy shit, that yeah. sounds just like it!" I just I love that. That's there's so a cool. whole. There is an entire. Actually, I would love to do an episode about this. Uh, but there's a whole. Um, genre of things like this called found sounds and so people that are producers and people that like to uh, do samplings they'll go out into the woods or they'll play around with things in their kitchen and they'll have a really high fidelity microphone and then they will basically make a drum kit from found sounds and so like there's some really cool ones of people just like breaking twigs like different size twigs for like snare sounds or for like uh, crunchy kind of sounds and then sometimes people will take those same sounds and then process them where they're pitching them up or down and like i said basically making a drum kit from from sounds that they collected that is so cool yeah that's taking something so tangible and then like yeah like you said processing it into an electronic thing that's so cool it reminds me there's a band called man man uh they're an experimental rock group but like instead of having drums in one of their songs they had fireworks Damn. And, like, they would play shows live by shooting off fireworks. Um, They're an incredible band, though. It's called Man Man. Um, Another one that comes to mind is a Japanese noise rock band from the 70s and 80s called Hanatarash. Um, That sounds interesting. They bulldozed a venue because they wanted the sound of the building falling to be in their recording. That literally is that that is taking the premise of found sounds like yeah. that is like there's a culture of people that do this. And that's like uh, the trump card. I think that's like that. That takes all of the marbles or all the cake in that one. That's oh, insane. Yeah. yeah. Bold, okay, what are they called? They're called Hanatarash. To spell that out, that's H-A-N-A-H-T-A-R-A-S-H. And then what did they use the sound for? Did they actually use it or they just wanted to keep it? They, they literally used it. They, like, people were there. It was a live recording, and they bulldozed the venue. Oh, my gosh, They caused dude. over $60,000 worth of damage. There's an excellent so breakdown. punk rock. It is. I can't remember what the, um, what the YouTube channel is called, which is shitty for me to say, but uh, the video is called Japan's Most Dangerous Band, and uh, the lead singer is this guy named Yamantaka Ai. He still uh, makes music nowadays. Um, but Hanatarash is great. The boredoms are great. That's another one of his side projects. Um, but noise rock in general, I think does a, uh, and noise music like Mersbau as well, does a fantastic job of applying found sound. That is, um, a genre that I am not familiar with. So I'm excited for you to, to show me the ropes on that one. I'll definitely teach you a thing or two about the old electronic tunes. Oh, and, yeah. uh, you teach me a little bit about that noise stuff. I'm stoked. Um, you know, for your guys homework, uh, I, I know I'll try to give my, write down some things for me to, to check out, uh, in case you did, uh, missed that, that was Japan's most dangerous band, uh, YouTube search. I'm going to check that out uh, later today. Fantastic. But, uh, yeah, so Oliver Chang, uh, again, the, the last thing I'll say about it is one of the things that we like to do uh, with sharing music is try to promote artists who maybe don't have as many followers as, as I personally think they maybe should. Oliver Chang doesn't have, you know, uh, uh, more than 13,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, and I wow. just think I'm surprised at the quality of music that guy produces, and I just think that, uh, yeah, he should definitely have some more fans. So trying to share him out there, share him with your friends. Um, Riley, talk to us about the song you have for us today. All right, so I wish I could say the same where I- like 
selected this this smaller group, but it's definitely a, a bit more popular. Um, the band that I have a song from today is is My Morning Jacket. So uh, if you've ever listened to My Morning Jacket, Wordless Chorus is something they are known for. They made a song for American Dad a couple of years ago. Um, they're a fantastic like psychedelic jam band. Um, this is off their newest record called Waterfall Two. Um, it's just a it's a upbeat, happy little jam. I figured you know we had two heavy days, so we might as well kind of do something a little more lighthearted. Yeah, that was kind of my thought too with picking yeah. the jam. I was like, man, I, I I don't want people to think that we're just like listening to heavy stuff all the time. Yeah, exactly. So keep so, you guys on your toes. Yeah, and this is nice and peppy, so um, I feel like anybody could really get behind this one. So. I look forward to uh, hearing people's responses to it, and I hope you enjoy. This is Climbing the Ladder by My Morning Jack. I like that. 
Yeah, it's a good little jam. Yeah, I mean, he said it was kind of a happy little jam. That's exactly what that was. Yep. yep and you know, I, I, I was, as it was kind of playing, I was thinking, dang, I'm so tired after staying up late watching the election stuff. Yeah. This is a nice, just, just uh, like I said, positive jam. Yeah, I like. You it. know, for it's the wonderful. mood of the times right now, <laughs> uh, definitely uplifting. Uh, a couple of things I noticed for sure is the guitar tone. Uh, you said it was kind of a psychedelic jam band. I remember hearing about My Morning Jacket back in the day. Yeah, uh, they're definitely an older band. Yeah, they've been um, around a while. I was gonna say, it just it sounds like such a familiar name. It's not a, a band I listened to much, uh, but that guitar is very. Very psychedelic jam band in terms of texture. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the little twangs in there. Yeah. In there. It makes it, I don't want to use the word folky, but it has like a tinge to it. No, I'm glad you said that because I wrote down one of the things that I like about that song is like there's like this honky tonk, like very distant guitar. So if you listen to um, the uh, rhythm guitar, it's a lot of these like chords. And then if you listen to the lead guitar, you can hear like, dunk, 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 mm-hmm. dunk, and there it's very, very distant. It's honky tonky. I just, I love it. There is a honky tonk to that. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a jam band element too. Mm-hmm. So, oh gosh. Yeah. And speaking of jam band, uh, you can tell how long they've been jamming together based mm. off of that timing change. It happened at about a minute and 45 seconds, minute and 50 seconds into it. Yeah. But it's almost like they go into slow mo mode. Yeah. And then when they speed back up again, they are so in sync with each other that I can't imagine doing that in a recording studio with everybody being recorded separately. Yeah. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's an effect or something that you could, you could easily do, uh, in post-production and slow something down and speed it back up. Up like that but that sounded like it happened naturally in a jam yeah and i'm not gonna lie sometimes with that tempo change i will listen to that song just to hear when they transition from the slow tempo back to that original tempo there's something about that specific those specific couple bars of the song where i'm just like whoa like my it just feels different to yeah me. and same when they slow it down i almost like when they sl- personally i like when they slow it down a little bit better yeah because I don't know. It it definitely plays with the rhythm in your head. Like, you know, I think a lot of us, uh, we kind of tap our foot or, you know, bob our head a little bit, or maybe we move around a little when we're listening to music and um, it slows down almost so much that it's like, uh, do I still tap? Do yeah, I, do I, it's like, I know. It makes you really think. It's cool. And, what, and what's incredible to me is like Jim James as a vocalist. So he's the, the front man of My Morning Jacket. And the way that he um, continues singing through that tempo change, like I don't know if anybody's ever had experience like trying to vocalize a tempo change like that. It is not easy because your vocals aren't always going to match the tempo of the song. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that it, the way that he continues to hold these notes and then just sing the same um, the same couple lyrics or the same tones, it's just it's awesome. I love I, it. Uh, I was very impressed. So thank you for sharing uh, them with me. A couple other things I wrote down um, was that the guitar solo tone, uh, that's a, a, a tone I almost haven't heard before Yeah. Uh, in guitar. It sounded really overdriven almost to a point that it was like 8-bit, E. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it just it lost a lot of its uh, um, twang that it had earlier in the song. Some of its shine, and it got a little dirtier. Yeah, um, in the in the solo portion. And then the last note I had was that the mix is interesting because it sounds kind of squished. It does. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. It sounds kind of like it doesn't have a really big, huge left-right field. Yeah, it feels kind of narrow. Yeah, and uh, his voice is right in between, like. 
I, I don't know, the, the, the word that came to mind was squished. Yeah. Um, and, you know, speaking of, of ways to describe music, our, our next episode, we're really excited for it, is going to be trying to describe sound. Yeah. Uh, and the weird ways that humans describe sound. So In terms of texture. Yep. Yep. And, and or, or even visual. Or, yeah, true. Or, yeah, there's just so many different, you know, that sounded prickly. The, right? the dimensionality of yeah, sound. so yeah. that'll be uh, that'll be coming to you guys next. We'll actually be featuring our first guest, and I am so excited to, uh, to to bring that one. But that's for next time. I can't wait. Um, okay, so yeah, that was our music for you guys. Uh, you know, let's jump into our jokes, and then we'll talk hobbies. All oh, right, man. never mind. I don't want to get ahead of myself. <laughs> Riley's got a word of the day for us. Oh, absolutely. Okay, um, so since we're talking hobbies today, the word uh, one that's regularly used in my vocabulary, I always try to try to drop it for my students and something. Sometimes they'll ask me, but I'd like to give a nice uh, concrete definition of the word. The word is aficionado, and that is a person who likes, knows about, and appreciates a usually fervently pursued interest or activity. Likes, knows about, and appreciates yep. an interest or activity? Yep, a fervently pursued interest or activity. Nice. It's a great word. Yeah, I, I like that word a lot. I don't use it enough, Um but I think everybody is an aficionado in something. They have to be. And if you're not, again, if you're one of those people that's like, man, I either don't have a fervent interest in something or I don't really try to figure one thing out uh, or get good at one thing, now is your chance to kind of grab life by the balls and figure out that one thing for you. Yeah. Um, it's just, it makes it so, that's what makes life fun. Yeah. You know, I think that's what makes being alive fun you know obviously it has its downsides and everybody i think has had their day in the blues yeah right or even some serious depression here and there i know we've both uh, had our you know our dark days yeah um but it's the hobbies that make life fun yeah pull you out of that hole and uh, i think so yeah like i said everybody can be an aficionado about something you just got to find your stick if you haven't yet yeah for sure and you don't need to feel the pressure of oh i need to be the best at this no be a uh be a jack of all trades and a master of none that's all I can recommend. Yep. Yeah. Kind of that traditional renaissance, man. Absolutely. Um, cool. So, yeah, that was our word of the day. Aficionado, folks. Try to become one at be an aficionado at something. Um, so, as far as jokes go, we got a couple of uh, funny jokes. Obviously, I think they're funny. But uh, anyways, Riley, what is a necrophiliac pirate's favorite hobby? What? Digging for booty. <laughs> oh, I love the visual God. imagery in that oh, particular this. joke. I'm just imagining some like pirate dressing grave robber. Oh man, it's multifaceted. Digging for booty. That's good. I love that treasure is called booty. I do too. I don't know where that comes from, but it is one of my favorite pirate slangs. Yeah, and it just like it just rolls off the tongue too. Booty and loot. Booty. Yeah. Loot's yeah. another one of my favorite. Or Boone. I like the word Boone. I don't know Boone. Oh, man. That's like a that's like a Dungeons and Dragons thing. For, shout out to anyone who plays Dungeons and Dragons. What's Boone? Boone is like the same thing. It's like, this is my reward. This is mm. my, my treasure. My bounty. My Boone. Nice. Okay. Uh... Yeah. Anyway, so that that is a pirate's favorite hobby: digging for booty. Well, I got a I got a joke to piggyback off of you. Okay. I only have one today, so that's I might okay. As well. I only have one more anyway. Okay. Perfect. Well, I'll I'll go right off of yours. So this is on a date, a, a guy and a girl. Her. So tell me something weird about yourself. The guy says, "I can see dead people." The girl says, "Oh wow! Any hobbies?" And he says, "Grave digging." 
Dang. <laughs> that's yeah, another, another visual people. one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is, that's an interesting hobby. <laughs> well, to continue down our path of darkness for jokes today, I got one for you guys. Do you know what Jesus's favorite hobby was? No. CrossFit. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I love CrossFit, but man, that is like something that, to me, that is hilarious. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Say, uh, we, we were going to throw shade at everybody, so don't feel like I'm hating on the Christians. I just thought that joke was funny. We were looking for ones that uh, had to do with hobbies. So, um, Okay, sweet. So, uh, as far as things that we're into for our leisure time, um, Riley, talk to me about like, okay, again, we're just going to set up the scenario for you guys. No chores. The house is clean. Mm-hmm. Your work's done. No meetings, no uh, grading to be done, no planning to be done. Um, you know, your wife's maybe uh, uh, busy doing schoolwork or maybe mm-hmm. she's uh, out grocery shopping or whatever. What do you do in your leisure time? How do you fill up your Riley time? All right. So I have a whole slew of things that I like to do. Primarily, what I will do is get myself outside as quick as possible. Um, I like to hike. I like to, to run. I like to climb. Do all whatever gets me outside, like fishing included. Anything that I can like go immediately and just immerse myself outdoors alone, I'll do it. I just Some fresh love it. air. Yeah, I love it. It's so good for you. So uh, for anybody that's kind of in the local area where, I mean, I, I know climbing is definitely not necessarily the easiest thing to do around here outside of a gym. Maybe there's some areas in Council Bluffs, but where do you like to hike? Um, well, I do like Platte River State Park. That's probably a big one for me. Shram State Park is a good one. Um, I mean, the thing about Nebraska is like we we have a lot of open land. For sure. But like, that's a good thing too. I mean, it just allows you to have like this sense of like, um, like isolationary bliss, the way that I like to think. Yeah, of. it took until it took, uh, I can't even give you a specific time in my life. It took a while for me to appreciate the planes for what they are. Yeah, agreed. Uh, um, which is something vast and open and, uh, and interesting in its own sort of geogra- uh, geological or you say geographic too. Yeah. Uh, but in its own sense, you know, I think a lot of people get fixated on the oceans and the mountains and, you know, yes, we don't have those, but I think we can learn to appreciate the natural beauty around us. Um, you know, so I, I would definitely echo, uh, Platte River State Park, definitely SRAM. Uh, one of our favorite places to go to, if you haven't been there, definitely check it out. It's the Hitchcock Nature Center. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. that place, it's over just, uh, in Council Bluffs. It's kind of in, uh, kind of by Mount Crescent. Um, and even, uh, Neil Woods, it's north of, um, oh, what's that one haunted park in Omaha? Son of a gun. Oh, Hummel Park. It's north of Hummel Park. That, you want to talk about some crazy haunting conspiracies and weird stuff about Omaha? Hummel Park is one of the things we should talk about. I've never heard about that, and I'm so excited. Really? Dude, yeah. back in the day, like, it, it, especially growing up, like, it was always, like, a stereotype that that's, like, where albino people went and hung out, and, like, that was, like, a weird thing really? about it. Yeah, but uh, the reason that it's haunted is because there used to be lynchings there, and so um, the fact that, the, you know, people had been hanging from the trees and, and sort of the race 
backdrop of it makes it kind of spooky. Uh, and apparently there's a stairwell there that uh, when you go up the stairs, if you count the stairs, it's a different number than when you're going down the stairs. Oh, we and have a park like that in back where I'm from. Yeah, so people say like there's like a it's like a door to a dimension or like there's some sort of um, gateway that is sort of explained by the loss of that step. I don't know. There's lots of woo-woo stuff. Hey, man, conspiracy pod coming yeah, soon. With, uh, with Hummel Park. But Neil Woods is north of Hummel Park, and it's a gorgeous area to get outside and go walk around. So if you guys are the kind of people that, oh, nothing to do around here in Omaha, get outside, and there's some gorgeous places. We, get, we just gave you guys like five places to go check out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, outside of, of getting outside, keep continuing with the list. I just I wanted to, to pause there because I know that there's definitely some people that don't think there's stuff to do outdoors in Omaha. And, yeah. You know, we got plenty of recreational lakes. We got plenty of, uh, you just basically got to go onto Google and type in trails. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess this piggybacks off going out, going outside, but um, I love skateboarding. I love board sports in general. So like snowboarding, when I have time to do it, I will do it. The good thing about skateboarding is like you literally just hit the concrete and just go. Um, so skateboarding is a big one for me. Biking, mountain biking, cycling, all sorts of stuff like that. Um, I really enjoy. I am a, the people who know me like the closest know this already, but mycology and botany, that is my thing. Like anything that has to do with plants or mushrooms is just, I just completely engross myself yeah they're super interesting i'm fascinated with it before uh we skate past the skating um how long have you been skating for um well it started when i was a young kid like i don't know what it was that got me into skateboarding exactly but tony hawk pro skater probably yeah honestly play as a kid playing tony hawk the way it was marketed to young kids yes and like being Django boys. Yeah. Yeah. Being, it was awesome. Yeah. So probably that. Um, I'd say probably when I was like eight or nine, I got really into skateboarding and then I it kind of hit a lull for me for a little while. And then I just kept picking it back up here and there. Um, in high school, I skated a lot. A couple of my friends longboarded. So I was finally able to have like a, a niche community, but skating now for me is something that it's like, I love to do it by myself because like, I don't feel like I have to, um, you know, skate the same line as somebody else, or I don't have to like go in this group, like longboarding would be. And I can just kind of, you know, if I'm skating like a, like even a tiny, like six by six concrete area, it's just, that's my zone. Yeah. It's I fun. I love it. Flat skating land. is one of any board sport. Uh, one of my favorite parts about them is the flow state that you get into. Oh, big time. Um, when you're just basically having a relationship with the board uh, beneath your feet in yeah. question and just when there's that sort of physics that in, that is involved where you have this connection uh, and you can I don't know it's just it's really interesting to kind of play with space like that yeah um, you know that that body sense kinesiology yeah uh, related to any board sports I think is is interesting especially when you throw on some tunes I feel like that connection is oh, even stronger for sure. For sure. Um, yeah I totally relate to, to the skating I mean I, I definitely had a, some many spells of skateboarding you know probably in fifth or sixth grade what does that make me? Yeah, nine or, or I guess nine or ten. Yeah, in that, so. in, or right I guess eleven, sixth grade. But yeah, uh, I remember getting my first uh, skateboard. My grandparents and stuff, they're all from California. And so we used to uh, go to van stores and stuff. And that mm -hmm. kind of, you know, sparked a little bug for me. Um, and then in addition to that, all the music I listened to, a lot of that pop punk and all that, you know, they were all in the skating scene. Vans Warped Tour. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So I got really kind of sucked into that culture and skating was just sort of a byproduct of that. 
Um, and then in seventh and eighth grade, we got more into music and did a lot more cover bands, uh, garage bands, stuff like that. And then I didn't really pick it up in, in high school. But then I got to college and I, I got into longboarding. And yeah. I definitely liked that, uh, especially, again, going back to that idea of being in a flow. Yeah. Um, there's something really flowy about longboarding. There's a reason they call it the concrete wave, man. I haven't heard that. Yeah, the I, concrete wave. It definitely definitely felt like that. That was about a year of college, well, maybe like almost two years of college. And then I actually fell and broke my elbow um, uh, on the way to class one day. Super oh, embarrassing. Yikes. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, well, I def it was one of those things where I knew it was broken. Like before I even got up, I was like, yeah, th something's wrong. Yeah. Um, and I honestly, I haven't been on a board since. And that was when I was 21, 20. Man, we got to get you back out there. I know. I want to. I really do. And I have some uh, some other buddies, uh, kind of like yourself, that just sort of pill around. Yeah. And I'm in, in an, uh, a mental state that I definitely would be down to hop back on there. But there was a couple of years where I was like, F that. I don't want to, I don't want to break any more bones. Yeah. You know, know, it's almost like my age. You're like, dude, you're too old for that. But at the same time, I see other people that are older. Uh, I mean, I went to this teacher training in New Mexico. There was a dude from uh, California there and he was probably 40 and he literally skated everywhere. Oh yeah. Like, I know a guy that his, started in his forties. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that you skate definitely uh, inspires me to get back on the board. I just didn't, I didn't want that one to get away from us. I thought that'd be kind of a fun one to talk about, uh, uh, do you have a particular brand or board you like? Um, I am like local to the core. Like you won't catch me dead in a Zoomies. I will never go to Zoomies. I won't go to a Vans store. Um, I I am not loyal to like Nike skateboarding or anything like that. Um, in terms of like magazines and stuff, keep that keep that uh, Thrasher stuff away from me. That's Poser stuff at this point. I am Trans World um, and. Uh, Probably Jankum to the core. Jankum is, is Interesting. the move. It's funny that you say Thrasher's kind of become poser because uh, there is a certain kind of kid at high school, and this is nothing against them if they're you know the kinds of kids that are listening to this podcast, uh, but that wear Thrasher shirts and skate shoes, but they've never touched a skateboard yeah. because they like the skate fashion or the skate aesthetic, yeah. um, but they're not necessarily skaters per se. And I, you, know, you could say that that same thing kind of goes back even to the early 2000s, but I think it's worse now um i don't know why yeah uh, but i definitely see a lot less skateboards than i used to around and a lot more skate fashion yeah oh for sure so. and like you know it, it, it's getting to the point where it's almost like i saw a kid i was on a walk with my wife the other day and i saw a kid that was um and i'm not gatekeeping skateboarding or anything but i saw a kid that was treating a skateboard as more of an accessory because i didn't see him step on it a single time um, but then when I did eventually, well, no, I did see him step on it because when I came around the second time, it was like arms spread out. Um, he was doing what's called a mongo push, whereas where, where is where you're pushing with your front foot. And that's kind of the first thing that you think like, oh, that person doesn't know how to skate. But like, you know, he was decked out in the, in the thrasher apparel. He's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm a skater and everything. There are little things that you can tell if you have skateboarded that just boom, red flag, you know, if the bottom of the deck isn't thrashed, that's not, you probably haven't skated your board too mm -hmm. much. Um, if you don't have on the toe of your front foot, if that part of your shoe isn't absolutely flattened, mm -hmm. like just smooth as hell, you probably don't skate like legitimately where you're, you know, popping ollies or kickflips or whatever, even the most simple things. Um, and then the other thing 
this is like we would always say like, oh, poser alert, poser alert. This is the thing. If somebody picks up their skateboard and holds it by the trucks, so the thing that holds the wheels, mm-hmm. like people, you know, will always think like, oh, yeah, that's a nice little way to hold it. That is a poser red flag. If you skate, that's like an unwritten law. You do not pick the board up by the trucks. Why is that? Uh, it's just, I don't know. There's just something about it. Um, like if you were to, what's called like a, a caveman, or if you were to mount your board in any sense, you're not going to throw it down by the trucks. You're going to drop it by the deck. So um, like if you drop it from the tip of the deck, typically you could hit the reverse side of the deck and it will naturally flip over and you can jump on it. Um, but that's like a, that's an unwritten flatland. So when rule. you're carrying your skateboard, uh, walking from point A to point B, you just, you hold it by the deck. Yes. You hold it, but do not hold it. Interesting. By the yeah. yeah. I, that's one I didn't pick up on. I love unwritten rules and I like people that are, um, aficionados in certain areas to, uh, inform me on the unwritten rules within certain subcultures because they are, uh, the things that make you look like an asshole yes. if you don't really know them. Yeah. Um, and I can speak on th- what the way that you just described, um, poser skateboarders reminds me a lot of uh motorcyclers oh and i uh you know for any fans listening i I recently uh, that's one of my hobbies is i recently uh purchased a motorcycle something i've wanted forever um and you know within (laughs) i only had it for a few months i've already put over three thousand miles on it wow i'm not trying to you know toot my own horn but uh you know for my mentor i go riding with a lot he's like man your bike's looking dirty and uh, a dirty bike (laughs) Is a ridden bike. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, man. and so it reminds me of the the trucks, uh, or or you know, just the the wear and tear on people's uh, on shoes. You know, like you can, if your bike looks clean all the time and it looks like you're always constantly waxing it and detailing it, you're not riding it. You're focused on the aesthetic, the look. Yeah, right. Uh, you're focused on okay, well, how is this going to look if I pull up somewhere and it looks really clean? Yeah, you know, I'm like ah, I like I like a little dirt on it. You know, yeah, it's sure. a, and there, and uh, outside of that, you know, a couple of the other funny unwritten rules that when you're at a stoplight, uh, you know, you're you're supposed to keep your left foot on the bike. So that way it's always sort of, uh, you know, you can, if it's in neutral, you can kick it in, in gear. Um, and if you just, if you have both feet kind of flat footed down and if you're on like a cruiser, mm-hmm. it's totally like acceptable but for whatever reason on a crotch rocket, uh, it's like this unwritten rule that don't, don't flat foot both feet. You just look like you're on the wrong style of bike. You don't really know what you're doing. And so it's kind of funny to, to notice that. And then the, the last thing is how long after a turn you leave your blinker on because because um, for for motorcycles, there's no off after you, yeah, it's after all you turn. It's all manual. Yeah. So you have to remember to turn your blinker off. And I swear to God, for like the first three weeks, and I see it all the time now, uh, uh, For but like after I make a turn, I'll be like a quarter mile down the road and be like, oh, damn, my blinker is still on. Yeah. And now I notice it when I look at other motorcyclists uh, in general. It just it cracks me up. Yeah. Oh, um, for sure. Because I think everybody goes through those stages. You know, you probably remember when you didn't know some of the unwritten things about skateboarding. I know when I first started going to concerts, like there were just certain concert etiquette things that you didn't, you don't really know. And, and now I can, you know, work my way around any, almost any kind of concert, you know, whether it's super heavy or, you know, an electronic show, like uh, there's just something that comes with, I guess, steeping yourself in the culture. Yeah. There are things that you do and there are things that you just don't. Yeah. And you're not, it's not necessarily, uh, you're not going to get in trouble. Um, I I think the word is called a moray, uh, an unwritten rule. It's like a folk 
it's like a folk rule. I, I think that's right. Um, so yeah, anyways, it's just conjecture, but I think it is more a, uh, so anyways, as far as getting outside, I definitely like to do all those things. And then like, like I said, motorcycling is one of the ways that I can get outside. I think my favorite part about it is that it puts you in the middle of the scenery. Like it takes away all those, you know, doors and stuff like that. And I mean, like, I don't know if you're riding with your visor up, like it, you literally in the scenery. Yeah. You're exposed to the elements. Yeah. And the fresh air and all that. I mean, it's everything. Everybody likes riding with their windows down and it's like that times a hundred. Um, but the addictive nature of it is, is crazy. Like, uh, I've been riding it when it's, you know, 32 degrees outside or below freezing and people are just like, dude, you're psycho. Like, why are you doing that? And I find myself, I, I find me trying to explain to somebody why I'm on that thing when it's below freezing outside. First of all, it's usually because it's going to be like 50 or 60 degrees in the afternoon and, yeah. and the ride home is worth it. But it always, it makes me think, is this what like meth heads or heroin addicts <laughs> feel like when somebody asks them why they can't stop? Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's just natural. It's to just me. worth it. Yeah. You it's just worth fervent it. about it. Yeah. That's... I don't know why it's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to say it's not cold. It's cold. Yeah. And sometimes my fingers hurt. Well, sometimes you have to weigh the trade-offs, Yeah, you know? but I'm like, nope, that was totally worth it. Like, And I say that every single time I get on that thing. I'm like, yes, I know there's a risk, but holy shit, is it worth it? Yeah. I never, I mean, I think, I don't think my smile gets any, I mean, maybe if I'm deep in the middle of a jam in the basement, uh, you know, my smile gets big, but I don't know if it's any, I don't know if it's as big uh, as long as it is when I'm behind, uh, I guess on the old iron horse, as they say, that's awesome. It's fun. I need, he need to get a bike. Yeah. I've been wanting one. Ah. Anyways. Uh, and then you mentioned, uh, uh, some mycology and basically growing plants. Yeah. Um, that's a big one for me too. I mean, I absolutely our whole upstairs. I mean, we, we really want to start a garden at some point. Yeah. Um, we just don't necessarily have the, the real estate for it right now. Um, we could probably set up some sort of mock, garden type thing but i mean we got plants all over the house yeah it you do. feels right yeah uh i don't know why uh it's so fun but whenever i go into somebody's house where there's barely any plants it just feels dead in there it almost makes you nervous you know it's like oh this is like white walls it feels so like professional to me um professional uh but also inhuman yeah it's almost sanitized Oh, that's a good way of putting it. That is a super good way of putting it. It is sanitized. It is like, you know, you need it. You need to have your own little like ecosystem. Yeah, within your and house. that's where pets come in as well. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I, we're I, we are going to have a whole episode, I think, discussing pets and domestication of animals and and everything that they give us and reward us with. But uh, having pets around the house, in addition to plants, just brings the house. It brings the home alive. Yeah. And I like how you mentioned it. There's almost like a nervous feeling when you go over to somebody's joint and they don't have any pets. There's no plants. Somebody like that probably doesn't even have art on the wall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Very Maybe true. they have a little bit. But, you know, if that's you, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it just, yeah, I get nervous. NPC, baby. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that is super NPC. That whole white picket fence American dream thing, it just feels so structured and feels so like... I don't know. It just makes me anxious. I don't like it. No. Damn. Okay. Well, um, I know one thing that we are both into, and, and if you guys didn't already figure it out, then uh, I guess you're not listening very closely. It's music. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, I, I know that we both love to jam uh, and noodle, but whether that's on an electric guitar, an acoustic guitar, a bass guitar, um, and I, I – I love that. I like to be able to hang out with somebody that can just jam. 
or even talking about just jamming mm -hmm. because like there's a certain headspace that you get into when you hit a good jam and it's like hey you you want to hear like a little tune that i put together it's like it's not anything that nobody's being overly critical about no. it or anything you just enjoy it and i love to share jams yeah um I, I i'm a lot more open to just being like hey man what do you think of this idea or this motif yeah essentially it's kind of what a jam you know it's kind of the idea of a jam is just to have you know centered around some sort of idea and you know especially if you get like a looper pedal or you have something to kind of have a couple of lines going at the same time could be like a, a rhythm guitar line with little lead line or whatever yeah it's just so rewarding and it kind of goes back to what we were saying a few episodes ago of this idea of that music is one of the gifts that keeps on giving because there's an infinite a number of ways to approach melody and tonality and yeah. it's just so fun. I feel like no matter what, I'll never hear every sound that could be heard or melody or anything. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's, uh, there's always something original to it. Uh, I know we both listen and consume extreme amounts of music yeah uh and then in addition to to consuming it um digging around for more that we haven't heard uh you know just trying it's almost like the old I, the idea of like uh, crate diggers yeah right you know it, we don't really have the physical uh crates anymore it's more digitized but i think both both you and i could be you know described as modern crate diggers yeah looking for the next you know sort of new original thing in music yeah which is a hobby in and of itself i mean both you and i collect vinyl records though too mm -hmm. like that's something that you just like i know that it seems like such a like a like a hipster thing but it's like or it's like the a way it's been thing. marketed yeah for sure it's definitely people have been listening to records for a long time uh and i also think that people that are really into music understand that there's a certain sonic quality that Absolute. records have that you buy the record for that. But then also we are all aware that um, our favorite artists are not getting very much money from streams. And so for my artists that I truly love, you know, the ones that I would just give them money, right? Like I don't even need to buy something. I'll just literally donate to them if I could. Um, I think buying a record is one of the ways that you can actually make sure that money gets back in their pocket. Yeah. Um, I know they're expensive, but the way that I understand, and again, this is why I need to talk to somebody in the record industry, uh, the music industry, but the way I understand it is that um, it is one of the best ways that artists can make money, that in t-shirts. Yeah. So I want to you know, support them any way I possibly can. Yeah. And so, uh, li like I said, digging for music, listening to music and, and even consuming it in different ways. I mean, I'm in a different mood to listen to records sometimes and when I want to listen to music through my monitors, it's a different kind of listening I'll be doing. Um, yeah. And you know, for those of you guys that listen to music regularly, if I could recommend one thing to anybody who listens to music for more than probably 10 hours a week, it would be a really good pair of monitors. I mean, it'll change the way you hear music. Yeah. Just um, look, I, I would recommend if you are lost on where to find any, like, monitors, because I know it's a very intimidating, um, like, field to get into. And there's a lot of people that, like, are super, super dedicated to sound quality. So anybody who might be a little bit uh, anxious about it, if you go on Google or go to Reddit and go to the budget audiophile page, they have fantastic recommendations there. So I would recommend checking out Budget Audio File. Nice. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. Thank you. I'm going to check that out myself. That is one word that I love. And, you know, if there's uh, a couple of you know words I can use to describe myself, Audio File is one. Same. It's, a, it's one of the times where I know I'm going to be a snob 
Uh, I, you know, I'm not a wine snob or a beer snob or a coffee snob. Um, I'm not really a snob in any sense of the word related to, to being an aficionado about something except for music. Same. I am a music snob, 100%. And I think people learn to love that about me. Um, but there's also something I can see that's maybe annoying about that as well. But I'm, I'm aware of it. I, I, try, I try to keep it in check, uh, especially if I'm at a, you know, a group setting and somebody's playing music. I'm like, who is the asshole with the ox? Oh, my <laughs> God. Yeah, if you do not play classic rock or anything oh like that, God. that drives me nuts. Especially at a party. NPCs. <laughs> NPCs. Last thing I, I do uh, related to music is uh, you know with DJing, I do practice uh, mixing and, and trying to get genres to work with each other, whether that's... That's pop music and rap music or, you know, going from from decade to decade, I definitely try to to practice mixing. And that's something I didn't really realize was as much of a skill as it is uh, until, you know, I was thrown into the fire. Yeah. I think a lot of people could say that about, you know, different jobs, though. I think, you know, we already mentioned how teaching is kind of like that. But I would assume damn near every job, you know, there's things that you're just like, oh, it doesn't look that bad. Yeah. And then you get up there and like, there's a lot going on. Yeah, this (laughs) is a lot to juggle. Um, Okay. Uh, Let's see here. A couple other things I know I have down that I I just, just based off of knowing you, Riley, a common interest that we have. Uh, I have reading on mine. Did you put that on yours? Oh, yeah, I put reading on mine for sure. So reading, I mean, for me, uh, my go-tos are nonfiction. Yeah. Which some people are like, God damn, that sounds boring. Yeah. But I love to read about history whether that's in magazines or whether that's in, you know, people's published books on things like Custer's Last Stand or uh, POWs from Vietnam. Um, I, the, the the library I have is just an expansive, mostly historical collection. I have a couple uh, books on, you know, biology, a couple of books on social issues, but um, a lot of it is very nonfiction. And the fiction that I consume is actually mostly comic books and graphic novels. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm glad I have a friend like you that can introduce fiction to me that I, that you think I would like. You, yeah. know, you know me well enough to, to put me down a path that maybe will get me into reading some more fiction stories. The, the main ones that I really, you know, am into is really just The Witcher and Lord of the Rings. Oh, for sure. I, I love that stuff. I mean, fiction in general. Um, again, to bring up the, the, the almost gatekeeper or snobbish attitude, if I had anything to say that I'm another snob in, it's books. Um, like in terms of nonfiction, I love to read nonfiction, um, like science-based books or anything about anthropology or history or ethnobotany, things like that, that all appeals to me big time. Um, but in terms of fiction, that's where I become a book snob nonfiction. It's like where I'm like, Oh, you know, I I'll dabble in whatever because I just want to learn. Yeah. That's really when I read, uh, if I'm reading nonfiction, it's because I want to learn. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I got to study. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, but it's enjoyable and I love it. But in terms of, in terms of fiction, if somebody comes to me and they're like, Oh, read this genre fiction, read, read this, uh, this new John Green novel or something like that. I'm immediately, I'm falling asleep. Like, I I just, I can't get into that. And like, you know, I know that the books that I read, other people would be like, that sounds so boring. Like, I got bit by the classics bug in college. And like, I dove into philosophy big time. Like, I was ready to switch my major from history and political science to philosophy. Is, Is philosophy nonfiction? I would almost say it dabbles in both. It's, it's almost like this, 
I don't know. It's this weird gray area because like Camus, for anybody who has heard of Camus or like any existentialist philosophers, you could have Jean-Paul Sartre or Camus who both wrote fiction. They were playwrights and they have incredible existential philosophical works. But then on the other on the other hand, you've got um, Immanuel Kant, you've got Friedrich Nietzsche, these people who write literal like nonfiction existential works and you've got a gray area there i want to talk a lot more about philosophy i am very interested especially in like the daily bits of philosophy you can it's basically you know uh, a coin for your thoughts type of philosophy you know what do you think about this uh whether it's a, a, an outlook on life or like existentialism or um maybe it's it's it has to do with perception or yeah. relationships or spirituality ethics. Uh, yeah. But you know, philosophy tends to stoke that cerebral fire in ways that other things do not. Uh, but it's something that I personally haven't steeped myself in very much. And I, I'm interested in it, but there's this again comes, I think with us just being, uh, I don't want to say too busy, but like I don't have enough time in a day to get all of my favorite hobbies done. And then also like find, I don't know, like that's almost why I don't have, uh, I guess if, if only we didn't need sleep. Yeah, honestly. I mean, yeah. that's kind of where I'm going with this. I'm like, man, there's so many things I would like to have as hobbies. I just don't have enough time to incorporate them in my life. Yeah. And, and which, I need sleep. Yeah. Agreed. Which sucks too, because it's like, I hate, I love to read. I love to read, but I hate that. It's like my hobby. That's like the one where it's like, oh, I can put that back. Yeah. I think because it takes so much dedication and brain power. And brain power, absolutely. That like I'm just kind of like, mm, I'll put it off. It's the first one to go on for me. Like if I am tired, that's the the last thing I want to do or I should say it's the the first thing to write off my list. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then I'm more likely to maybe watch TV or something like that. That's something I I really, I mean, outside of having a show here and there, I try really hard not to make like watching Netflix or Hulu my hobby. Oh, a hundred percent. And luckily the quality of uh, content that's been on Netflix and Hulu lately is in my opinion, kind of going down. So yeah, no, I'm it is. To- and I think the same thing could be said about all the streaming platforms. It's almost like they got too big. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that's one of the things I, I know I'm talking to somebody uh, who maybe is an extra or an NPC if they tell me that their hobbies are they like to sleep and watch Netflix or they like to, you know, when people I say, what do you do? What do you do in your free time? I don't know. Sleep. Yeah. I get so many students that say that. Yeah. Or what do you do in your free time? I don't know. Sit on my phone and, or watch stuff or social media. And it's just like, ow, man. Yeah. yeah. Painful. Yeah. It's, I hate hearing that. Yeah. Because the first thing that I think of is, wow, you're boring. Yeah. Uh, honestly. Yeah. That does. I mean, like. There's so many things out there that you could do. And like, why would you just sit around and look at social media all day? Why, why, your why hobby, do you care? Exactly. Your hobby should not be concerning yourself with what other people do on social media. Just do your own thing. Yeah. I, I mean, person. I understand staying connected, but like you don't need to stay so connected all the time where that consumes you. Um, and I, I mean, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have an episode about hobbies kind of early on um, is first of all to talk about you know us and ourselves a little bit but also just to get people who are doing nothing i mean we got winter upon us i mean it's a perfect time if you don't have a hobby to find something to do other now than watch tv yes 100% um 
what about well then let's talk about hobbies that we want to get into some things that we are are um what's the word that i'm looking for striving for yeah well, I mean, we got podcasting. Yeah. That's kind yeah, of funny. Exactly. I mean, that that is a, a new hobby for us, um, uh, for us both. Um, but one that I always find myself uh, continuously getting interested in and then stepping away from uh, and has both to do with resources and cost, um, but cooking. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love cooking. I love smoking things. I love grilling. I am a huge fan of trying, uh, to cook different ethnic cuisines, going to like an ethnic grocery store, picking up some of their OG foods and then trying to make something that's more of a traditional meal from somebody else's, uh, cuisine. I like to do, uh, and also just learn, learn new skills in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, cooking is so fun. I, I love the whole experience of from, from the grocery store to, you know, having a full belly. Yeah. The only thing I don't like is the dishes. Um, yeah. When I talk about resources, I'm really just talking about, again, time to plan out a, yep. a meal and something like this. Like, it takes time to figure out what you need and how, I don't know, it's just one of those things where if we need a quick dinner, especially during swim season when I'm coaching or, you know, dur- during the summer or whatever, I got weddings going on or working late nights at the pool, I don't always have the time uh, to cook a badass meal. Yeah, exactly. But that's a hobby for me. And then woodworking. Um, and for the same reasons of, uh, you know, don't quite have, always have enough time to, to show up and, and make something happen in the garage. But I mean, I've built a handful of workbenches, some, some synth tables, some shelves. Um, I, I love working with lumber and wood in general from yeah. cutting it to putting it together and having an idea in my head and, and, you know, putting all the pieces together and then sanding it. I love sanding. There's something meditative about sanding and then getting that perfect smoothness. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's my OCD. No, but I'm with you on that. I, that, and that's maybe why I like things like even sound design or whatever, just like getting it down to, I'm like, yep. I can walk away from this. I'm proud of this. Yeah, and it's like uh, you're polishing it. You know? Yeah, and in both with cooking, woodworking, music, uh, reading, um, I, I always feel like I'm getting something out of it. Yeah, for sure. That's like a physical product, but I'm also like it's I, uh, mentally getting something. Yeah, out intellectually, of it. you're you're building yourself. Uh, yeah, and then I remember it's it's almost it's a good time to make a memory too. Exactly. Like I don't really find myself making much memories when I'm watching TV or you know glued to a video game. Yes, I, you know I have gaming down. Gaming is one of my hobbies, but it's definitely not like a memorable thing. Yeah. You know I can't look back in the day and be like, oh, what'd you do? I just sat around and played video games. Or I just sat around and watched Netflix. Like, yeah, and I don't feel good about it then. No, I feel not. Yeah, not good. Yeah. Um couple of the things that I have down that I wanted to uh, improve on myself as well, um, or at least strive for, woodworking I did have down. Um, I already love to like work with my hands and build things and hard labor and stuff like that. It's very appealing to me. So um, one of the things that I want to like absolutely dedicate myself to is making a uh, a homestead, a sustainable permaculture-based homestead um, that my wife and I can have a sustainable home for our family and we can um, focus on using our natural resources that are readily available to us. I think building a sustainable home is something to me that's like, wow, I want to I want to absolutely hone that craft. I want to get good at it. And woodworking plays a role in that too. Welding plays a role in that. Um, just knowing like general plumbing, um, plumbing, electrical. electrical. Yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff. I mean, I think I already have a, a 
very good knowledge of those things because my dad taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, HVAC. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I just want to take that a step further, you know, and, and really uh, apply it to my own house. So that's something that um, I'm striving for. Um, another thing that I'd like to get better at is sculpting. Um, I've always been fascinated with like, um, like classical, uh, art. So like, you know, Michelangelo's statue of David and stuff like that. Um, I think sculpting to me is just so admirable. In my entire life, dude, I have never heard somebody say, I want to get good at sculpting. Really? That is a bad ass thing to not only be interested in, but talk about uh, something that is rewarding and you could have, uh, you know, there's going to be plenty of air. Uh, you mentioned classical art. One of my favorite things to show with regards to classical art are sculptures yeah. because I'm always like, how do they get that detail in there? I know. And they don't have freaking modern like little saws and drills and equipment. I mean, they're using literally using hammer and chisel and the amount of detail these classical artists are able to get into, into these sculptures is it incredible. Um, but I think... I think that that is an admirable thing to chase. And it's something that, uh, you know, for those of you guys that are listening, um, I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. I didn't even think about that as being an option, which I think is kind of funny for hobbies is some people, uh, I'll describe to them what I do and they're like, Oh man, you got a lot of, a lot of things you're interested in. I don't even think about those as being an option. Well, that sculpting is one of those for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I mean, I just got bit by a bug with it. Um, one thing that I would recommend, like the thing that drove me towards sculpting, it was a documentary that came out in, I believe, 2018 on Netflix. I don't even know how you'd get started in that. That's the thing, yeah. Um, this, but that's just where I want to take off from it. It's it's a documentary called Struggle, um, and it's about this Polish sculptor named Stanislaw Sukolski. And he makes these incredible sculptures. They're geometric. They're like so um, versed in like the human condition and existentialism as a as a whole. But it's like it's crazy to look at this guy's work and then just think like, wow, he's taking a thought in his head and he's making it literally tangible in front of my very eyes. To me, that is incredible. Something you can touch. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's. I, I think we already mentioned it uh, earlier, but the idea uh, about how language is allowing me to take something I'm thinking and sort of paint a picture or plant it in your head. Uh, but with something like art, uh, whether that is painting or music or sculpture, I, I love that element of, okay, well, this is sort of what was in my head and this is how I'm translating it to make it real. Exactly. Um, but with sculpture, I mean, you can't touch music, you know, right. you can make music using instruments and stuff, but you can't, touch it yeah um and with sculpture that is tangible yeah exactly i just i'm fascinated by it it's awesome that's i i'm i'm fascinated that you're fascinated by that <laughs> i mean i know it sounds weird but like that's your fascination uh, with sculpture is interesting to me um damn that's a cool one i will say uh you know i caught myself you know knocking on on the people who basically get sucked into streams and and the binge tv life um so I will say that the the last the the last thing I guess I'll mention about it is that um, YouTube is where I get sucked in. Yeah, let's let's get back to that here in a second. Yeah. So um, for for me, I will say that uh, I spend a decent amount of time on YouTube. And uh, when Riley and I were talking earlier, we thought of that as like passive idle time. 
So you have your passive idle time where it's basically like that might be like playing a video game or um, watching something on TV, but you're not necessarily an active participant in that. Uh, And I think that that's YouTube for me. Um, I find YouTube incredibly addicting. Obviously, they have algorithms to keep it that way, Um, but it can be both educational and fun. And so I'm, I'm in no way hating on anybody that gets caught up uh, in the stream realm, because like I said, I'm guilty of this sort of passive leisure as well. Um, But if anything, what we are encouraging is just for you guys to, to go out there and find some sort of hobby other than, than getting, uh, getting something fed to you. Um, So I guess, you know, looking at the, the, the big picture of hobbies, a couple interesting things I think uh, are some questions for you guys to ask yourselves. What do you like to do in your free time? How do you like to spend any idle time where you have no obligations or anything like that? Um, what do your hobbies and interests say about you? And particularly what I'm talking about with that question is, what do your hobbies and interests say about you as sort of a reflection of your personality and interests, right? How do your hobbies make you three-dimensional? Um, and then lastly, what do you personally think about people who don't have hobbies? Um, does, does that seem weird to you? Um, I think about, you know, the modern dating game. And if I came across a, a woman who's like, I don't really do much, you know, I, I just go to work and maybe work out yeah. and go to bed. Like, that doesn't sound very interesting to me. Yeah. And like, again, it all falls back on the whole NPC mentality. You know, I hate to keep like reverting back to that, but you know, a hobby could be something so simple. Like I know you mentioned earlier, like falling into the YouTube rabbit hole. Well, it like, it, it all depends on like what you're consuming is like, like, um, if I were to be watching a video about, um, botany or something like that, like at least I'm you know, feeding one of my other hobbies through that specific thing. Well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, because even on Hulu and Netflix, you can watch documentaries and you can watch things that are going to sort of actively engage you. Um, so I guess I, I think all of our listeners probably can make that discrimination between, you know, is this is this time on YouTube or on a streaming service bettering me? Yeah. Is it informing me? Is it helping to construct and make a better me? Yeah. Or is it just turning me into a vegetable? Yeah. Am I wasting my time? Am I just trying to fill dead space? Whatever it is. Yeah. Filling dead space with, uh, you know, that's something I notice a lot now that we have phones is like in doctor's offices or any waiting room or like maybe you're, you know, you're uh, getting your oil changed at a, a car dealership or whatever and you're waiting for them to, to you know, ring you up like we almost naturally go to our phones mm-hmm. because that is like to us, maybe in the modern age, the time killer. Yeah. And it's a struggle not to, I try, if I, if I reach for my phone to like find something to look at during that idle time, it's, it's hard to stop myself. Yeah. Because sometimes I will go to something mind numbing. Right. You know, I don't, I can't say I'm always looking up something on Google when I have my phone out. Right. So, well, I mean like there's also like, you kind of fall into the rabbit hole of, um, yeah, I, at that current moment, I am trying to, um, like kill time essentially, but let's kill time constructively, you know? Yeah. And I think the one, uh, hobby that we haven't talked about yet, it's the last one on my list, um, that I think is both constructively killing time and 
killing time for the sake of killing time and that's gaming yeah uh that i mean i don't know did you have any others on your list that you wanted to mention let's see i had um i don't know not really Gaming, too. I wanted to talk about video games, but also tabletop games. Oh, yeah, for sure. I really enjoy. I think we should talk about both of those, and then we can kind of wrap things up. Cool, man. Um, One question I do have for you before we get to gaming. Do you think working out is a hobby? Like, if somebody says, like, I work out for my hobby. Yeah, so, I mean... Do you consider that a hobby? um, I mean, we went back and forth about this earlier. Like, I enjoy working out. It's something that I do frequently i five times a week at least for me um that could be crossfit powerlifting, um running all sorts of things like that i don't know if i consider it a hobby though yeah it's just no a, i i i like breaking a sweat yeah i like my heart pumping i like putting my body through its paces uh physically yeah and seeing what i'm capable of and i like the feeling after a workout but i don't personally consider that a hobby because i feel like it's just part of wellness yeah i agree like it's part of like bodily upkeep yeah um and i consider working out sort of like brushing your teeth and i know people might disagree with me on that um because if we go back to our idea of a hobby you know it's what you do with your leisure time that brings pleasure well i think for some people in their leisure time working out brings pleasure but to me i think that it's just another element of maintaining your, your, your happy place. Well, I'm so, so glad you said that. Like, just bringing up human wellness. There is a phenomenal quote by Socrates. It's something that has just resonated with me for a very, very long time. Please share it. I would love to hear this. The quote is as follows. No man, or woman for that matter, no man has the right to be an amateur in the matter of physical training. It is a shame for a man to grow old without seeing the beauty and strength of which his body is capable. It's incredible. It gave me goosebumps. I'm not going to lie. And, and that's Maybe it thing. was your reading of it, but <laughs> no, dude, that gave me goosebumps because it basically is like fat shaming, uh, but from ancient Greece. Yes. I'm, we've been doing it for forever. It's in, I love that it's not something like, you know, Socrates wasn't like pointing fingers and saying like get off your lazy ass or like don't be like Bacchus or anything like that where you're falling into like this this gluttony or anything like that. He is simply stating that our bodies are beautiful. Our bodies are capable of being strong. They are something that can be molded and that's something that we as human beings should approach. Yeah, we, and should we can actively absolutely. participate in. Yes. Um, The one word, you already said it, but the one word that resonated with me, uh, that was sort of a synonym, if I could could boil that down, I'd say humans are capable. Yeah. Um, We're capable of so much physically uh, that we should not only appreciate our bodies and take care of them, but maximize their potential yeah i freaking love athletics for that reason yes it literally pushes our body to our limits both physically and mentally and you see what you're truly capable of yes and i think athletics i don't want i don't think they should be required because there are a lot of softies out there um but i think that athletics are incredible character builders for that reason obviously yeah. you have the team mentality the coaching you know being coached um uh, the discipline but just proving to yourself what you are capable of. Yeah, and I, I just, again, for that reason, I don't think I would consider it a hobby. And uh, one of the things that always kind of irks my nerves, too, is 
the excuse of, ah, I don't have time to train. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. I could I could absolutely push myself in a 10-minute deadlifting session, and I could feel more than fulfilled. I, you could knock out five sets of eight on deadlift in 10 minutes. Just maximize your opportunities. Yeah, and that's one thing that uh, I am guilty of is I, I'll look at the clock and be like, oh, man, I, I don't have an hour to work out. Yeah. It's like, bitch, you don't need an hour to work out. Exactly. Go on a walk for a half hour. Yes. Like, you know, I have to I have to sort of correct myself because, you know, for many years of my life as an athlete, like practice was always an hour or more. Yeah. You know, and part of that's warming up and part of that's stretching and maybe warming down and, and maybe even the core part of that practice is a full hour and there's maybe it's a two hour practice. Yeah. So I had this like weird thought for a long time of like, oh, I need to write an hour off for working out. No, you don't. No. Um, and, you know, you, you, for those of you guys out there that are, you know, feel like maybe you want to take care of your body a little bit more, honestly, go out on a walk like every day. Even if it's a little chilly out, go for a 10-minute walk, get your blood moving. Um, and, and my favorite thing to do during the winter is go to YouTube and just type in living room workout. Yeah. There are people on YouTube that will kick your ass yeah. in 15 to 20 minutes. For sure. Um, and I just, yeah. So at the end of the day, to go back to our question, I don't think working out is a, a hobby. You seem to not either. Yeah. It's no. just a part of what you should be doing to maintain healthy mind and body. Yep. And so. if, if you feel sorry for yourself in any facet, in terms of mentally, if you feel sorry for yourself, work out. Physically, if you feel sorry for yourself, if you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, I'm getting a little pudgy, you know what you can do? You can work out. It sucks because, yeah, you got to change your diet if you really want to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 80s. But just get doing something. Yeah, you, you, it, it's not nobody's going to do it for you. Right. And that, uh, that's the same thing with hobbies. Nobody's going to give you a hobby and say, here you go. Here's your interest. Here You need to develop this interest. Like yep. You need to do some self-exploration and find what you yourself are interested in and, and make it worthwhile. Make, make living worthwhile. Um, so to, to end uh, on our hobbies, let's talk about gaming, both tabletop and, and video games. Excellent. I mean, dude, I've been playing video games since I was a wee lad. I mean, Same. my dad played video games. Uh, my brother and I were raised on the Nin- Nintendo 64. Same. Game Boy. Yep. Um, and a lot of that, uh, I don't, I don't play games nearly as much as I used to. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of that's just because of career and, and life and, uh, I don't want to make my wife an Xbox widow. You yeah, know? exactly. Like there, there's a couple, there's a, uh, a couple of reasons I don't as much anymore, but I still get a lot out of it. Yeah. Same. No, I, I mean, enjoyment and relaxation and stuff like that. And like nowadays I'm able to, um, listen to a book on tape, listen to a podcast, watch a video while I'm playing video games. I like that. Yeah, me too. It's kind of, that, that is a way that you can make maybe playing video games a little bit more, uh, active. Uh, I love playing like shooter games with music. Yeah. I like to, you know, go into my Spotify discover playlist and play a shooter game. And like, if there's a, uh, you know, a, a song I'm really digging next time I die, go to that artist's uh you know page queue up a couple of their songs and and that's kind of sometimes when i do my crate digging um other uh, i guess other elements of video games that i really like is just how a lot of times those are that is my realm of fiction like you know video games tell an amazing story and i am an rpg aholic yeah me too i mean all of my favorite games are rpgs and and i I, I can i can tell you guys my my top five games pretty much because they're the ones that i spend gross amounts of hours on number one uh, is definitely the witcher uh the witcher as a whole witcher one through three i have way too many hours in that world and universe, but I love the world of the Witcher. Yeah, same. It's same. Literally like 
it's amazing. Um, and, and cheers to the writer and cheers to CD Projekt Red for making that happen. Uh, another one on that list is the Mass Effect series as mm -hmm. a whole. I have replayed through those games more than a few times. Yeah. You know, one through three and gone through the entire story. Um, you know, I haven't beaten Andromeda. And for a long time, that was my favorite series mm -hmm. uh, until I played The Witcher. Yeah, yeah, honestly. And it, it, I was actually having a hard time sort of accepting Witcher uh, as number one, but that game stole my heart. Um, and then I think, you know, other couple of games that I could throw on my top list, any of the Forza games. I'm a big racing oh, game guy. Okay. Uh, nice. I just, I love racing simulators yeah not just like need for speed crap but like some serious racing simulations yeah um and that's just sort of the the i don't know gearhead in me yeah guy that likes to go fast um and then lastly for shooters battlefield oh nice that used to be my thing when um, i was a kid big battlefield yeah fan. yeah I, I i used to just absolutely dedicate hours to that but nowadays like to bring up the rpg point i do not play multiplayer games Almost ever. Same. It's pretty rare. I think uh ninety percent of my video game time is probably spent in single player. Same. Yeah. Other or than, more. Yeah, honestly. Yeah. Other than that, I mean I, I could echo a lot of what you said with RPGs. That's my thing. I mean, I've spent over a thousand hours on The Witcher. Um series as a whole, a thousand hours on The Witcher Three alone with the expansions expansions excuse me which is ridiculous and it's embarrassing to say that but I, I i actually don't think it is i mean it's so immersive if you get bit by the witcher bug you know what's going on you know like it's 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 um based on mythology it's got like such an immersive story the characters are so well fleshed out but i'm so glad that you brought up that it's fiction it mm -hmm. is absolutely fiction and there are like there are values, there are moral choices you have to make in The Witcher. Oh, yeah. It's more than just going around hacking and slashing. It's something that is, it's full of substance. You become Geralt. Yeah, Like, you time. live through Geralt. Yeah. It'd be like if you read Harry Potter, but, like, you were playing Harry. Yeah. And you got to make decisions as Harry Potter. Like, yep. it's incredible. Or if you're, if you're reading Lord of the Rings, but you're playing it as Frodo. Yeah. Uh, and you're moving Frodo around Middle-earth. I mean, that's what it feels like, and it's so immersive and so well done. So if you guys haven't played The Witcher, you need to. Uh, we're going to dedicate a whole episode to Witcher lore and how badass it is. Uh, one game I forgot to mention that I know we also want to have an episode on is Pokemon. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a game I still play. I'm still fascinated by, and I am never ashamed to admit it because the, the Pokebug uh, resides deep in my soul. Yes. Um, a lot deeper than Mario, a lot deeper than Smash Brothers and Mario Kart, like, like I'm way more into Pokemon uh, as far as Nintendo IP goes than any of the others. But I mean, you know, if I had to boil down the games, I continue to come back to, like I said, the ones I already stated, and then and then Pokemon as well. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Like The Witcher and Pokemon are probably my two biggest ones. Okay. Um, some of the other things that I really enjoy, uh, Metal Gear Solid series. I've always really liked those. It's just so bizarre. It's so weird. Um, so that's one that I've, I've always been a big fan so of. So Japanese. Yes. Reminds honestly. me of like a, the, the bizarre aspect reminds me of the Ace Combat stories. Oh yeah. Like Ace Combat as a game is really cool, but the stories are just like, what? And the characters are weird. Yeah. And yeah, Hideo Kojima is a genius. The guy's awesome. So Metal Gear Solid, that's one that I really like. Um, Subnautica. I mean, we've been talking about that lately. Mm -hmm. There's like this environmental aspect to it, but it's also like, 
you know, I, I love to be outside. I love bushcraft. I love survivability, stuff like that, and research. And essentially, that's exactly what you do in Subnautica. Mm-hmm. You are thrown into the ocean um, on this this strange planet, and you essentially have to write your own story. You're a researcher. You need to make sure you have all of your research in order, but at the same time, you have to keep yourself alive. Have you played No Man's Sky? Yeah, I played that one a little bit. Remi- what you described reminds me a little bit of that. I've only seen trailers for Subnautica, I've actually haven't played it. It's, uh, it's only on Steam, right? Uh, it's it's actually on on uh, console platforms as well. Now. I didn't know that. I thought it's it was incredible. a Steam. Game. Yeah, there's two of them now too. Huh? Yeah, it's it's very very good. Cool. Well, yeah. I mean, uh, so like I said, I don't, I'm not hating on anybody who's you know spends a lot of time playing video games. Earlier when I talked about passive hobbies, I just think video games rest in that gray area between a uh, passive hobby and an active hobby. Kind of like philosophy rests in that gray area between fiction and, and nonfiction. Yeah, that's that's excellent. Yeah. That's um, last thing you mentioned too was tabletop games. Yeah. Uh, did you mean like Pokemon and Magic: The Gathering and uh, and also like Risk and um, uh, Battleship? And, uh, yeah, here I mean, and there. Basically Basically, any game like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, there's an RPG element to tabletop gaming that is fantastic. You mean like D&D? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, t- talk to the to listeners about your... I don't have much experience with D&D, uh, and so talk to the listeners maybe about if you've never played a game, what that looks like and why maybe there's such a big community around it. Yeah, okay. I think that's fantastic because uh, Dungeons & Dragons is something that I think a lot of people give it a bad rap, but it's something that is so immersive. Again, you are essentially writing your own story. Um, It's so cool because you get to interact with the people around you. You essentially get to pick a role and then just go into a story. It's it's something where um, you don't always know what comes next. So like the the uh, DM, the dungeon master, could say like, okay, well, out of left field, um, you don't know what it's going to be like when you roll into this tavern or you roll into this uh, den of monsters. It's something that um, I just think overall... You can interact with the people around you. It's a wonderful time just getting to know everybody. Um, And it's also a way in which you can kind of shed the skin of your everyday boring life. I don't want to say that life is boring in general, but um, in a way that you're able to kind of take on the persona of, of... this character. And I think it's a magnificent thing. I mean, um, the depth of Dungeons and Dragons is essentially endless. They, they come out with new additions every couple of years and, uh, they add more monsters, they add environments, they add new attributes for your characters. I think it's just incredible that, um, you can essentially write your own story. And like, I think that a lot of people, again, a lot of people give it a bad rap. I never played Dungeons and Dragons till my senior year of high school. And then I was one of the people that made fun of others that play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. There's definitely like, there's people that played Dungeons and Dragons maybe set themselves up to be memeish. Yeah. But like, there's a lot of shade thrown at them. Yeah, for sure. And like, I don't, like, I think the shade gets thrown because people don't understand how truly enjoyable it is. I think that you have to have the right people with you. Exactly. To make it work. Exactly. The chemistry involved in having a Dungeons and Dragons crew, if you will, and having a dungeon master that takes it serious when writing a campaign and really trying to flesh things out um, that I, I think maybe 
the people that do get into those uh, really fulfilling groups are, are, are fortunate. Yeah, I agree. And that's a, a solid group of friends to have to be able to be your, yourself so wholeheartedly. Yeah, and this... And get into your characters. For sure, yeah. And, like, getting into your characters, I think this brings up a, a good point. This is cheesy as fuck, but I sincerely mean this. When you embark, if you will, quote-unquote, on a Dungeons & Dragons experience, you are, yeah, taking the role of a character, but the people around you, you have to work with them, and you're essentially having this experience with them. That's interesting. So, like, as you're sort of fleshing out your character's identity in the game and sort of your character's role, they're doing the same thing. Yes, and they're Everybody's getting feeling to know each other out. Yeah, and they're getting to know your character. Yeah, and but like through you. Yes, yeah. it's so cool. And huh. you're like, oh my god, like I'm going through these trials and tribulations. It's like almost like holy shit. If we were to embark on something in the world of Middle Earth. It's like if I were Frodo and you were Sam, and here we are traversing Middle Earth, getting to Mount Doom, and it's like, oh my god, I feel like we legitimately just went on a, a like a quest. Perhaps I could carry it for a while. <laughs> Excellent. See, and people drop stuff like that too, like references to wonderful, wonderful, wonderful pieces of fiction. Oh, that's awesome. I get fired up about it. Cool. Well, you know, it's one of those things I... I have never had the opportunity, nor have I had um, a burning interest to engage with the people who maybe offered. Yeah, like, it's I like, think oh it's man, I just like, thing. oh man, I don't know if I want to play with you guys. And it's nothing <laughs> yeah. against that. It's just like I need to have the right people around. Oh, for sure. I know myself well enough to know that I'm not going to fully unleash my creativity and, and character funness, if you will. Uh, if there's other people, I'm just like, yeah, I can't really be myself around you. I agree. I agree. Luckily, like the guys that I played with, I had gone to school forever with and I had known them very, very well. But yeah, that's one board game that I wanted to get into. That's so super have you ever important. played other ones like Axis and Allies or anything like that? Yeah. You I know played, what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, those would be like, like more of a, a tactical. Oh, Warhammer. Warhammer is incredible. These are all things that uh, I'm interested in as a young dude uh, who would go to comic book stores. Yeah. And I went there for the comics. Yeah. Or I went there for like the Yu-Gi-Oh or the Pokemon cards. I didn't really go there for the tabletop aspect of it. Yeah. Um, but there was always something about it that thoroughly interested me. Uh, part of it's the world building. Yeah. Part of it's the creativity uh, of painting your own little guys, little metal figures and getting special paints and, and decking them out. The the hot, I mean, that tabletop gaming is a, a big hobby to chew on. Oh, yeah. I it's don't know anybody endless. that half-asses getting into tabletop games. Yeah, like, for sure. Everybody goes full-blown, like, gets into it. Yeah, yeah, and I respect I that. I think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, I just... Don't know where to start, and I also know uh, my propensity to get addicted to things like that, and I can just see that being, you know, a whole new synthesizer thing where yeah. all of a sudden I got too many pieces. Yes, exactly. Well, I mean, that's that's funny that you bring that up because for those of you that are local listeners, those of you that are in the Omaha area, I'm not really sure what their hours are looking at or looking like rather right now, but Spielbound is incredible. You pay six bucks at the door and you can play an endless amount of tabletop games. If anybody is interested in board games in general or you're like, wow, you know, 
I didn't, I've never given Dungeons and Dragons a chance. I've never given um, something as simple as like Scrabble, even if you haven't played a whole lot of Scrabble. Mm-hmm. You can play endless amount. Spielbound and Omaha, highly, highly recommend. Yeah, it's a really, really popular joint. I haven't had the chance of going there. It's been recommended to me many times uh and other places if you guys are looking for like just a community of people that are into the tabletop stuff any dragon's lair location i think there's two or three of them in omaha um you just do a quick google search for dragon's lair krypton comics as well uh they have a a huge tabletop section um my last question regarding these kind of games for you riley is have you ever played magic the gathering i did yeah magic the gathering was something that took off for me in in college actually Another thing that I made. I want to play that with you. I, I, that's a, a one I didn't understand, especially yeah. back in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and after my wife and I had tried out Pokemon, it was kind of juvenile. It was cool. We got addicted to the, you know, the gambling aspect from collecting cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not nearly as dark as Magic, and Magic yeah. to me is more like a. Uh, a real battle. Yeah. Um, whereas Pokemon has elements like that, but it just feels more family friendly. Magic doesn't feel like that. It yeah. feels like a, a more mature version of Pokemon, I guess. It's also so rich in story. So like that's yes. something that's really cool about lore. Yeah. And Sick. like they have nice little descriptions of like your creature or your spell or your environment. You literally build an environment with Magic the Gathering. Mm-hmm. So like your quote unquote mana um is all pieces of an environment, mm-hmm. um, and it's incredible. Um, magic is fantastic. I, I honestly, if we had time, we could dedicate an entire episode to it because I have friends that are deep into it. They read. So the that's books. my brother, and yeah. that's why you know he actually got me into it. Really, um, he got me more into it. Like he and his friends would play in college. They picked it up. Yep, and he got into the decks and collecting cards. I was like, man, I remember you know going to the store and looking at Pokemon cards and then seeing the Magic section. Like, oh, those are cool. Those are like you know, uh, basically uh, this is you know eight year or nine year old Brendan talking. But I looked at the Magic cards and like, oh, those are for like. 30 year olds yeah like way darker and now that you know i'm in my my mid-20s like i am exactly that kind of person that now wants to play uh um magic and so my brother was playing with some of his buddies i checked it out i was like damn this looks really cool i want to try it so i went and bought one of the starter decks and he kind of showed me the ropes and we just sort of uh we played a handful of games there was a while where we had a streak going we just like played every time we'd go over to my parents house yeah um but that's again one of those games where if you don't have a community of people to play it with not really fun that's yeah. kind of why video games can be fun in the modern age yeah because you don't need other people around right but i mean it's good that you say that too because luckily with a lot of these card games there are communities online and they've got better interfaces now where you can play magic the gathering arena so you can play it online yeah um the one that i would recommend to absolutely anybody um i know uh many of my friends have fallen into addiction on this one hearthstone um, oh the gwent one well it, it's it's similar to gwent yeah wait is it cd project red or no I it's tripping? it's blizzard it's it's literally the the world of warcraft built into a card game and it functions very similar to magic the gathering but it's free it's uh it's addicting um it's on ios it's on android it's on uh pc Mm. Essentially, wherever you want to play it, but Hearthstone, I cannot recommend enough. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen that one. Uh, they did out. They do have a Gwent game though, which I, I mean, 
Gwent's interesting in and of itself. We'll oh. save that for the Witcher I'll podcast. Get hooked on that. Um, dang. Okay. Cool. Well, uh, I think you know. At the end of the day, uh, my favorite part about the tabletop games and board games and all that is the 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 removal of the screen. Yes. You know, there is no screen, and you're dealing with people and having the conversations, and yeah. they tend to be a little bit more social. It's a human um, interaction. Yeah. Exactly. And so the game is basically a facilitator for uh, human interaction. So I do appreciate that. Um, but at the end of the day, like we said, hobbies are kind of an individual thing. So if you do not have some guys, it is not too late. Yeah. It does not matter how old you are. At any time you can jump on hobbies. I mean, I, I did a lot of jujitsu in college and we had a 65 year old man that was doing jujitsu and he would kick ass. That's another one of my hobbies I didn't even get into, mixed martial That's arts. That's cool. Well, I was martial arts is uh, one of the ones that I, I want to start myself. So maybe we can save that for another podcast. Let's we can do talk. It. You can talk to me about sort of your training and what you've learned and your background, and you can tell somebody who maybe is in a similar position to me, yeah. uh, you know, that might be listening of, okay, well, how would I get into this and what aspects of it? Uh, should I look out for? And, yeah. and I think there's yeah, there's plenty to say on on mixed martial arts. So we'll save that one for you guys. But like I said, you know, it's, you're not too old to start a hobby, and I hear that way too often from too many people. Um, so go out there and, and find something you like, make yourself interesting, and share your hobbies with us. Share yes, them on Instagram. I would love that. Yeah, actually, you know, thank you for bringing that up, Riley. Yeah. I. I'm not good enough about promoting things. And Same. so, uh, you know, for, for one final word, I'll just say that uh, if you guys have enjoyed these first, you know, five episodes, please share them with uh, with your friends, with your family. Uh, get it out there. Like I said, you guys can follow us online at uh, uh, on Instagram at uh, Conjecture and Lecture. And then you can email us uh, at Gmail at Conjecture and Lecture uh, at gmail.com. And like I said, I'm going to try to get a, a Facebook page, maybe even made uh, before the day is done here. So give us a like on that. Yeah, that would be much appreciated. And we are going to be continuing to throw out some opportunities for our listeners to respond to us because we genuinely want to have a community. We genuinely want to have conversations. You know, this isn't anything that we're making money off of right now. No, and we want to know who we're talking to. We want to know who the audience is. Yeah, we want some feedback. It, it would just be fantastic. It mm -hmm. makes the whole thing more fun. And we want to get like, if somebody were to leave a comment on one of our podcasts, well, maybe we can strike a chord with them and you could even be a guest at some point. Yeah. I think that'd be awesome. Please reach out to us. Tell us what you're interested in. And I mean, Riley and I are interested in a lot of different things. So something that you're interested in, we can probably get interested in. Oh, if we are willing already. to learn. Yeah, yeah we're, we are both very, very willing to learn and very willing to, to have a conversation with you guys. So, For sure. Um, on that note, we're going to call it a day. You guys have a wonderful rest of your week, I guess. Until next time. I don't know when next time is going to be. We've been cranking these out. So hopefully soon. Yes, hope. I like that. Hopefully soon. All right, guys, take it easy. Take care now. Bye-bye then.